When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Watch. Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. was awesome sling blade billy bob thornton <laughs> that is amazing billy bob just called us he did we're like i think we're expanding we are like we're expanding into the world if billy we're bob like thornton. important to 17 people i know it's maybe cool. 17 and a half 17 and a half possibly yes um before we get started i do want to thank the creeps for their thoughts and prayers um I have had a family emergency with my mom, and we don't know much yet, but I really appreciate the love that's coming from them. So thank you very much. You guys never disappoint. I told Charity, take off as much time as you needed, because what's going on is very serious, and I want to make sure that you have the time you need. So, And when Charity knows more, she'll tell more. That's right. That's right. And this is a good distraction, guys. So, so I got yelled at the other day. You did? I did. I I think I might know from who. I was coming down the road. I saw our lovely mailman, Steve. I love that Steve's on the case. <laughs> delivering mail. And it was a Sunday. I want Steve to record with us. That would be fun. Um, and he was on a different route because it's a package route on Sundays. Yep. And I like pulled over. Guy was right by the stop sign by the weird intersection that I, I don't know, want to give out, but you know yes, what I'm talking I about. Yes, I do. I sure do. So he was at that last house. So I'm like, rolled my window down and I was like, what up? And he's like, I don't know. I'm bored. <laughs> I was like, you are? No new episode this week. Sorry, Steve. That's my bad. And now I'm looking in my rearview mirror and I have a car pulling up behind me and another one pulling up behind <gasps> him. So I'm you like, were causing a traffic jam. I was ca causing a traffic kerfuffle. Oh, I like that. And I, I was like, Sorry, gotta go. I like that. <laughs> to come I love through. that you have so many interactions with Steve. I do. Well, I see him. I saw him this morning. And it's funny. You know what it's like? You know when you, you like buy a new car and you get a color that nobody has? You're like, no you one see has it, it everywhere. That's Steve. We see Steve everywhere. I just told Mark, I thought, I think I saw him driving down Main Street the other day. <laughs> it was like uh, 1995 all over again. I was in high school. I was like, I'm going to get this really cool new car. It's a newer car. Not many people have them. So I'm going to buy myself a nice Dodge Neon. Uh-oh. Oh, a Dodge Neon. Remember those? And then I went to school and I was like, 
should I park this next to those seven Dodge Neons <laughs> or those 19 over here or those 17 that Aww. way? Oh, did you have a different type of color at least? Mine was purple. No way. I had, mine was a Plymouth. I believe it was the Plymouth. It wasn't Breeze, but it was something else. It was the Plymouth version. So I had the, like it was a weird purple with the gray bumpers. Do you know what my first car was? I pulled home with it. My dad was like, is it too late to return that thing? No way. So my <laughs> first car was a, it was my aunt and uncles that my parents very graciously bought off them for me. It was a 1993 Plymouth Duster. Ooh, those are actually fun. Yeah, it was like a little box at that point. It was a little box kind of car, but it was fun. It was green. I like the dusters, actually. Those were fun that, cars. My little brother had one of those. That thing zoom zoomed around. Well, I zoom zoomed around in it. Right. <laughs> Got out of some tickets. Oh, boy. That's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, real quick, just want to touch on the fact that... Uh, oh. Mr. Vandersloot's a complete douchebag. Yep. So he now says that he killed Natalie Holloway with a cinder block and left her in the ocean. He bludgeoned her to death, guys. Day of. The day of. And it's been 20 years that this family has wondered. It sucks. I want to cover this more in depth. So I don't want to get much more into it than that other than Jordan Vandersloot. You are a douchebag. I think we should do um, a timeline of events. I would events. love to do that. Yeah. With the worst part, tell the people what the worst part is about him admitting that he did it. It's past the limitations, guys. Yeah, past uh, some of the limitations. They are looking into seeing what they can do, but I don't think there's much of anything. Milpa Ruba's laws. Yep. Sucks. Did he, does it say where he disposed of her body in the ocean that's all it said Which that's all that sharks. i've seen so far oh my gosh that so, is those poor that poor family you brought up a really good point that poor family has suffered for all these years all these years that's the worst part almost like it's a kick in the in, in the balls and they knew we all knew he did it it was a kick in the bojangles there we go there's a new one just because they've wondered for 20 years every time they went to a strange city or turned a corner is that her I know. Is she here? I know. Was she sold off into slavery? Was she this? Was she that? And we find out now that pretty much the day she went missing is the day she, she died. died. I just uh, this is again. It's the the old thought of, or should be the the always thought of. You never leave somebody like that when you're in a group like that. Yep. And I don't blame, I do not blame her friends. I am not saying that. They were young. I don't blame them whatsoever. But it's just a, a good old reminder that it doesn't matter how old you are. You, If you go to a new place or you go somewhere on vacation and you're with a group or you're with your family. Stay with them. Do not separate. Under no circumstances. This happens all the time. All the time. We say this. All the time when we cover cases, we always hear from somebody that said, I never knew this would happen here. Things like that don't happen here. Guess what? All these places that these things never happened at, nothing happened there because before. Because Aruba is like one of the, like, it's so safe there mostly. Yeah. Except for one side. There's one side of the island, I think, that's not as safe. But still, you don't, you don't really hear these things. People go there for a vacation to have a blast and ha- drink, swim, do yeah, all the fun absolutely. things. Absolutely. When you look at. A lot of the horrific crimes that have happened in the last 20 years, they're not in New York City, nope. Los Angeles. They're in like East Bum F, New Mexico. Yeah. They're in never heard of Florida. Like they're yeah. in places that we did not expect. But I, I've been to Aruba. Okay. It is absolutely not. beautiful. It is your on vacation on this beautiful island. Not one person. Her parents never would. I would never have think something like this horrific would have happened to her. And we all knew he did it. Yes. Back then. Speculated. Have to still be officially. Well, he's been in jail for murdering someone else. You know that, right? Oh, I know. He's a scumbag. Yeah. 100% a total scumbag. Loser. Somebody hopefully in jail will take care of it. That's all that I hope. I hope so. So other than that, Charity, how was your week, Ben? Have you at least tried to get some you time with everything that's going on? I mean... Not really, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't it's know what right. to say. So it's I'm nothing. Just one it's of those. okay. Hey, we all go through these hard things in life. All yes. of us. 
So it's not it's nothing that no one anyone else has gone through. And there's always someone who is going through something worse. So all right, I'm gonna give you a meow. I don't remember if it's left button or right button. Uh-oh. So you're either getting the right one first or the okay. wrong one. <gasps> no. Nope. Okay. Meow. Oh, I kinda I like both of those though. Meow. Oh, oh Mark, real quick before we get into what we're gonna be talking about. Yes. Can we discuss Oh boy what your new position is now? You're kinda like a big wig in your well, in your real job. I've officially been kind unofficially been doing what I've been doing. I mean, we know who the big wig is in this job. Yeah. Sherry. (laughs) Just kidding guys. So for those who don't know, I work for a company that owns and operates racetracks, um, auto racing, been a part of my life forever. And I do a lot of their media and broadcasting of races. And lately well, not lately, sorry, recently, my bosses have decided to part ways. Yep. So one of the tracks has, has left and he's gone on to lease it to somebody else and kind of and start to enjoy retirement. Wish nothing for the best for him. Uh, was a very big influential part in helping me get to the level I'm at now in the organization. Yep. And now I am director of operations and I'm president of the oh, president TV wing president Mark. Yes. President Mr. Mark. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, I love it too. It's fun, but it's, I've been doing pretty much all of this stuff for the last year. I know, anyways, but you have the title. I do. It That's makes exciting. We got to give him, give you all the accolades. I get a round of applause. I don't really need a round of applause. Of course you do. All right. I love what I do. So is how's the studio? Not to interrupt you, is it all set up yet? No. The new one? Oh, okay, no, never mind. No, no, no. We we bought a new building and my old office is still in shambles because I've been busy. I've had I've broadcasted seven races in the last eleven days. Yowzes. So it's been very, very busy. And when I mean broadcast, like I, I sit in the T V truck and camera one, take one, camera two. Ready to? I'm going two. with you to one of these. I want to see you in action. Oh, I can video you, you for the creeps. Yeah. Yeah. And then put like subtitles under it and funny things. And now there's there's <laughs> doings in my driveway because I had to move a trailer. It's now I have multiple trailers and we actually have another one on top of those two. Oh. And it's, things are growing. <laughs> That's good, though. And my coverage recently has been um, being run simulcast on TV nationwide. Which is for the awesome. last couple of weeks, which is really, really cool. Um, but still dedicated to doing case watch and what we're doing. And I was actually doing the racing stuff way, 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 way before this. Yeah. And then I, the only thing I got done doing was delivering oil. That's right. Because it just got to be too much. I didn't need 17 jobs. No, (laughs) that's never a good thing. Charity has lots of doings too in her life, but I'll wait till a different time for her to tell those. (laughs) Do you enjoy your new outlook? We're going opposite directions. Yes, I do. That's good. I love it. It, it. It's funny because you spend half of your life going, grow, 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 grow. And then you get to that level and you're like, no, thank you. Let me go the other way. No, thank you. Yep. Yep. 100%. Been there, done that. <laughs> but all right. What do you have for us today? Okay. So as we discussed in the last episode that we did, yes. um, we thought it would be a good idea to revisit some of the most famous murder cases. I like this. Mm-hmm. I like it like that. Oh. Cases that created media frenzies. Cases that the world became captivated by. Yep. Cases that maybe didn't have the kind of endings we imagined they should have had. The first case we will be discussing at length is the case of Casey Anthony. Ooh. This one captivated so many people and I am one of them. Me too. Not only did I watch the court case unfold, shocked at the outcome... I have also read books, watched documentaries, and still, I can't understand how bizarre the events in the case unfolded. This, guys, I don't, I don't know how many people. I mean, you, most people probably recognize recognize Casey Anthony, the name. Yeah, her picture has been showing up out in the the ethers lately. People noticing her out and about and just living her life. Exactly, and a lot more recently. This is so. What happened to this family? Outside of her mm-hmm. is horrendous. Mostly, well, we're going to get into it. I, I'm, so what I'm doing is I'm doing a timeline. All right. So this first, this beginning of this timeline for this first episode is going to take us through 
kind of the beginning to where right before the trial starts. Oh, good. Okay. Um, because it's just too much information. When you look back on this stuff, there's lots of stuff you forget. Yeah. Because there was a lot that oh, happened with this case. This is going to, you guys, Mark is going to be enraged. <laughs> this is a good a refresher for myself this and is, the rest of our audience. And it was for me too. So I re-listened to my favorite book, um, on this case. That's how and I read I, books too. I listen to well, them. Well, I, I read it twice. Do you actually. still call them books on tape? Yes. So I I have the book in hand. I actually read the book twice. Read well, I haven't it, like done normal, that for like 25 And years. I have now listened to it twice. So I listened to it again to refresh before I went through the timeline. Uh, and I'll get into that too. But All right. So from the outside in, the Anthonys appear to be a very normal family living happily in their Florida home. That was until 2008. So we're going to start with... Um, August 9th, 2005. Can I actually just interject real fast? Sure. And it has nothing to do with this case. But when you just said Florida, is it? I think I've mentioned this on this. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Podcast before, but is it just me who didn't realize that the rapper Flo Rida Yes, it's Florida. Yeah. His name is just Florida. No, I, you, you were the one, and I don't know when. I don't know if it was our other podcast we did before in the past. I don't know if it was during that. I think it might have been when we did like musical trivia that you mentioned that, and that was the first time I realized. I it. was outraged. Oh yeah, I was like, wait, what? So if I ever become famous, am I going to say I'm new? Have she? Hold on a second. What wait, about come on. What about um, uh, will I am? I don't know this one. What do you mean you don't know this one? Oh no, am I going to get mad again? I'm in my head. I'm like, is it Will Will Conson or what? What is, What are you talking about? Will I am from the yeah, Black Eyed Peas. I am William. The, will Oh my God, these will people! Will I am? How amazing is that? That makes that <laughs> angers me. Florida. All, All right. Continue upsetting me with this biatch from Florida. Okay. So August 9th, 2005 was the day Casey Anthony gave birth to Kaylee Marie Anthony. It was a strange lead up to the birth because it seemed Casey tried her hardest to hide her pregnancy. She had her mother, Cindy, and her father, George, duped into thinking she was just gaining weight. Only in her stomach, guys. <laughs> we all see how tiny she is. So, um, see, I go the other way. I try telling everybody, guys, I'm just pregnant. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm not getting fat. I am I'm with pregnant. child. I, this, I am with twins. <laughs> That's with, what I say. I am with twins. Can't you tell? Look at my motherly glow. <laughs> you do. You do have a dewy glow, Mark. I enjoy it. It must have been that cake you just ate. <laughs> All right. So thank you for throwing me under the bus. I've, I've been wanting cake for like a month. I didn't even look at him. And I walked in the front door. He's like, don't mind me. <laughs> and so my favorite cake is Funfetti because I'm seven and yeah. I absolutely love it. So when I was at the store the other day, I've been saying I want a cake for weeks and I hate weird cakes and I hate chocolate frosting. It's just not my thing. So Kristen was trying to be sweet. She's like, she found Dolly Parton cakes, which are banana cakes with chocolate frosting. And she made them. She's like, look, I made you cakes. I'm like, what don't I like in this equation? She's like, I don't know. Oh, We've geez. had this discussion 30 times. Is it the banana? It's the banana and the chocolate. I don't want either one. I hate, oh, I hate both of them. Oh. It's like, will you eat them? I'm like, no. And I'm like, I'm just going to go buy a cake. So she's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll make you your Funfetti cake that you like. Flash cut to a month later, still no Funfetti cake. Oh. Mark drove his fat AWS to Market Basket <laughs> and got himself, got himself a Funfetti cake. And I've slowly been eating it all week. And I forgot me and Charity recording today early because it's earlier in the day than we normally record. And I'm like, crap, I haven't eaten anything today. I'm going to be angry like the Snickers guy. So she walks in the door as I'm housing the last little sliver of Funfetti cake. He and did look like was, a seven-year-old. I thought it was going to go down in like secrecy and no one's ever going to tell. And we bikes fire up. She's like, hey, tell everybody how you ate that cake, fat ass. <laughs> I did not... Say the last part. <laughs> that is not nice. All right. Continue on with this this douchebag. So Cindy's brother got married around the time that Casey was pregnant. 
and she was showing a great deal. He later claimed that she was the talk of the wedding. Everyone could clearly see she was pregnant. When he asked his sister about it, she simply denied it, telling him she was just gaining weight. Now, this is important to talk about because it shows the family dynamic. Casey told her parents she wasn't pregnant, so no matter how pregnant she was, they blissfully believed she wasn't. This became a moot point once Kaylee was born. So anyone who looked at her knew she was pregnant. Anyone. And she wasn't hiding it. She was wearing like half tops and like all this stuff. But she told her parents she wasn't pregnant. So they're like, okay, she's not pregnant. And this is their dynamic, unfortunately. I would prefer that over the unfortunate incident I had to witness when probably my early teens. And I was with my mom. She ran into one of her friends she hasn't seen in a long time. And she grabbed her belly. She's like, oh, my God, you're (gasps) pregnant. And she wasn't. And she wasn't. And the lady's like, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not pregnant. Thank you, though. Oh, that's I feel really good. I was like, I'll be over here slitting my wrist. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. What did she say? My mom was like, but you look at him like you're burying the hole deeper. Stop talking. Oh, no. It was it was wonderful to watch. That's horrible. Uh, Casey lived at her parents' home when she gave birth to Kaylee, and that is where the little girl was being raised. To say Cindy and George loved their granddaughter was an understatement. She was their entire world, and... Casey's brother, Lee, also obsessed. This little girl had so much love, guys. They loved having her at the house, seeing her every day. They couldn't have asked for a better situation. It is not known who Kaylee's father really is, or at least it has never been made known to the public. Casey has said that her father died in a car accident shortly after she was born. But who knows, as we will see as we move along. Yep, lying about her pregnancy was just the tip of the iceberg. So it's to this day, no one knows who the actual father is. I don't even know if the father knows. That's amazing to me. Oh, everything in this freaking case is amazing to me. It's bizarre. Bizarre. Next, let's talk about June 16th, 2008. Kaylee would have been about two months shy of her third birthday. On June 15th, Father's Day, there was an alleged family argument involving Casey and her parents. It could have been with just her mother, but no one really knows because she and her mother had quite the interesting relationship. Um, it must have been a doozy of an alleged argument, though, because the very next day, Casey took her daughter and drove off in the Pontiac that was technically her parents' car they had bought for her to drive. In my opinion, Casey knew taking Kaylee away from her parents would hurt them the most, and that's why she did it. That's my opinion. Okay, they get in this huge fight. These parents have done everything for this girl, Mm -hmm. okay? Not only did they support her having a baby that she claimed she wasn't having, uh, they provided a vehicle for her so that, she could safely drive her daughter around. They let them live at the house. They cared for the, their granddaughter. This is, it's just also sad. That's all I can say about it. One of the things that make me mad about this is that, you know, 100%, if she really did not want that child, the parents would have raised it. That's, 100%. That's the part that makes me so mad. That's the part that makes me, but, but so spiteful. Against the parents oh, 100%. to take her away. Yep. That would be, she knew that was the biggest punishment she could give them. So she just drove off with her daughter. Sickening. July 15th, George finds out that the car Casey had been driving had been impounded. So he went to pick it up. This is probably a good time to mention that George had been a homicide detective for some years um, before. He eventually stopped that line of work at Cindy's request because it was very dangerous. He then worked for his father's car dealership before eventually opening his own dealership. So he has some, he has a lot of knowledge, let's yeah, he's just not say. not a dumb guy. Not one bit. When he got into the car to drive it home, he was immediately hit with a horrible, unmistakable smell. The smell of death. He looked in the trunk because that was where the smell was coming from and found a bag of trash but knew instinctually that the trash was not where that smell was coming from. It, he knew it was the smell of a decomposed body. Ugh. Like he's, he smelled that smell before. Oh, 100%. Cindy um, had had it at this point and was able to find Casey, um, pick her up and drive her to the house. So she was PO'd, okay, because their daughter, the granddaughter had been gone. Casey was 
MIA somewhere doing God knows what. And now they find the car that she had been driving and it was just impounded. While driving her daughter home, she made her first 911 call. So Cindy made more than one 911 call um, on this day. The first call was to report the impounded car stolen. She told the dispatcher that her daughter was the person that stole the car and wanted the police to come and arrest her. So she, Cindy was mad. She was not messing around. She was around. not messing around at this point. She was had so many emotions and she basically wanted to punish her daughter and wanted her arrested. Uh, Cindy calls 911 more than once on this day. And by the last call, she is frantic after Casey informed her that Kaylee had been missing for about a month. Oh my God. Now let's just throw that in there. Hey, by the way, I haven't seen my daughter in a month. Didn't tell anyone. That's sickening. At one point, the dispatcher asked to talk to Casey. When talking to the dispatcher, Casey was calm, cool, and collective. I hate her. Unlike any other mother whose child had been missing. She said, quote, my daughter's been missing for the last 31 days. I know who has her. I have tried to contact her. I'm using a robot voice because that's what it sounded like. Because Pretty I've much heard, what she deserves. I've heard the call. Why would she not have reported her missing as soon as possible? Right. This is your daughter. Your almost three-year-old daughter. Cindy kept demanding that the police come and arrest her daughter for stealing the car, even saying, it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. So Cindy outright said that she thought the smell was from a dead body as well. And it's recorded on the 911 call. When the police arrived, thinking they were going to possibly make an arrest for a stolen car, they came to realize it was now a missing persons case, one that should have been reported a month beforehand. So it was actually 31 days in total that little Kaylee had been missing, a little over a month. When questioned about where her daughter was, Casey told the police that Kaylee's babysitter had her and that she had tried to reach her in more than one way, but couldn't get a hold of her mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she this is on, the part that's going to make me mad. Oh, this is this is not the only part. She went on to say that the nanny's name was Zanaida, Zanaida, sorry, Fernandez Gonzalez, and told investigators that she took Kaylee on June 9th. She claimed that um, was the last time she saw her daughter. The only problem was that everyone in the family has stated they saw Kaylee after June 9th. Because remember the argument on mm-hmm. Father's Day? Yep. More stories start to come out of Casey's mouth at this point. She claimed she had tried calling Zenaida, but the number had been disconnected. She also said she had gone to her apartment, but she wasn't home. So she claimed she sat on the front steps for over two hours, hoping she would return with her daughter. Wow, this mother is such a good mother, isn't she? 100%. Oh, top notch. Police quickly put Casey in a car and had her direct them to the nanny's apartment. When they investigated, they found out no one by that name had ever lived in the apartment. And in fact, the entire apartment complex housed only elderly people. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. Their next stop was to Universal Studios, where Casey said she had worked. She kept the charade going uh, for quite some time while she led the detectives up and down the facility until finally giggling and admitting she did work at Universal Studios, but had not worked there in some time. So if you listen to the exactly what happened. She walks all through the facility, finally gets to the end of a hallway and turns around and basically puts her hands up and giggles and goes, you got me. I don't work here. <laughs> wow. Oh, I would, I'd want to punch her in her. S- Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not, I'm not violent guys, but this sometimes it's story different. gets me so angry. So after the end of that charade, she was arrested and charged with child neglect and obstructing an investigation. Good. Her bond was set unusually high. Authorities were taking the situation very seriously and thought they may have had a homicide on their hands. On August 20th, 2008, Casey's bond was posted by a bounty hunter named Leonard Padilla. Robert Dick was Leonard's partner and had this to say. Quote, we think she wants to talk about it. She's in a situation where she's in over her head and she needs some help. The reason this is being done is to get out of being in in custody and be able to talk about it. So these people thought if they were able to get her out of jail, because the big thing, her parents kept saying, she can't help from jail. She can't help from jail. How can she show us where the nanny is? How can she help us find Kaylee if she's in jail? Which 
of course the grandparents are going to want to do everything they possibly mm-hmm. can to try to find their grandchild. I'm sorry, wait a minute. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, you know, Casey was, quote unquote, the last one to supposedly know where her daughter was. So everyone wanted her out of, out of jail. It's- this whole case makes me mad. Around this time, a spokesperson for the Anthony's named Larry Garrison said he believed Kaylee had been kidnapped. Garrison had been the pro- spokesperson for other high profile cases, including the case of Natalie Holloway. He said he was not taking any money for the, from the Anthony's, though. August 30th, 2008, Casey would find herself right back in the clink. You see, along with all the lying she did, she also had a joy of stealing from family and friends. Oof. She had stolen and cashed checks from one of her friends that had been out of the country and charges had been brought against her. Hmm. So this friend was a pretty close friend because Casey was the one who drove her to the airport for this vacation that was out of the country. And while she was out of the country is when she had stolen her checkbook and she went to Target. She did this. She cashed checks. Oh, she even stole from her grandmother. What a scumbag. Yeah. During the time she was out on bail, she did, this is shocking, Absolutely nothing to help in the aid of finding her daughter. Shocker. Yeah. Uh, Crowds had been forming daily outside the Anthony's home searching for answers, not to mention the massive media coverage. Bail was posted yet again for the new charges on September 5th. However, she was back in jail by the end of the month. So they kept trying to get her out because, you know, so quote unquote, she could could help. help. And she did zero. She's a piece of crap. On October 14th, 2008, Casey was officially charged with first-degree murder of her very own daughter. On top of this charge, she was also charged with aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter, and proving, providing false information to law enforcement. You can't do that, guys. No. Come on now. At this time, the sheriff's department said they believed Kaylee was already dead, although no body had been found yet. So enough time had gone by and lead after lead after lead turned up nothing that... They were pretty sure she was already gone. So sad. George Anthony, along with others, testified in front of the grand jury the same day she was charged. CNN got a statement from George outside the courtroom after he testified, and here is what he said. This is going to be very hard for me to do. The focus has always been on my granddaughter and always will be. I love my daughter, I love my wife, and I love my son. If someone could take him, this is so sad. If someone could take a moment out at 11 o'clock this morning and 11 o'clock tonight and pray for her, that's all I'm asking for. That's all I can say. So this poor man is completely broken and just still has that hope that possibly, you know, possibly his granddaughter was still alive. I can't imagine being in this situation. Um. So around this time... It is speculated. We can't say for sure, but it's. I'm pretty positive this actually did happen. Through her attorney, Jose Baez, Casey sold pictures of Kaylee to a news organization for $200,000. I hate her. And she most likely knew she was dead because I personally think she's the one who took her life, but whatever. Um, so her, her attorney, Mr. Jose Baez, who in my opinion is kind of a dirtball, yep. had this to say in a news conference at the time, quote, we have a court system set up for this. I sincerely believe when we have finally spoken, everyone, and I mean everyone, will sit back and say, now I understand. That explains it all. Um, yeah, no, not in my opinion anyways. As we move forward, we will hear the next story Casey was trying to spin to make sense of all of her lies. We will also see how much Jose fed into the media frenzy. He took his time as Casey's lawyer to have his five minutes of fame. He loved being in front of the camera, listening to himself talk and spin possible fake narratives about the prosecution. I just finished listening to the ama- this amazing book, as I talked about earlier. It's called Imperfect Justice. Like I said, I read this book when it first came out. It was written from the perspective of Jeff Ashton, uh, who was one of the attorneys from the prosecution. prosecution. And if you listen to it, he's the one who narrates it. And it is amazing. Mm. I suggest, suggest anyone interested in this case or anyone that followed this case to listen or to read this book. It has a ton of behind the scenes information coming directly from one of the key people involved in the case. Like you hear the back stuff that was, is going on with like the lawyers mm. and kind of just what a dirtbag I think. Um, you know who Jose Baez reminds me of? Who Another guy who loved to be in front of everybody. Who? 
uh, Mr. Bertolino. Oh yes, but me. Oh, he's kind of his fame's over now, though. I should I should call him again. How does it feel to be not in the spotlight anywhere anymore? <laughs> I can't believe you called him. Remember you texted him? He texted. We back? texted each other quite a while. Oh yeah. We texted. We've called. I've talked to him. He's talked to me. Yeah, he doesn't like you though. And at I all. aggravated him, and he said, "Don't ever contact me again." Yeah. So maybe I can't call him anymore. Maybe. Darn if, it. If you did the what is it? Star six seven. So it's it's a blocked yes. number. Yep. And then change your name. You're not Mark. You can be, I don't know, something else. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, how do you, how do you used to do that pig Latin? I'm Ark May <laughs> from Ace Watch K. <laughs> That's just say you're Will I Am <laughs> or, or you're Flo Rida. <laughs> yes. I, I'm not calling about that. Dirtbag family from Florida. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I that's right. It. Yes, they're from Florida as well. October 24th, 2008, the forensic reports of the findings from Casey's car were released. There was evidence of a body uh, decomp- of a body decomposition and traces of chloroform in the trunk of the car. There was also a strand of hair found in the trunk that showed decomposition. I guess it's called a death strand. Okay. So I guess it it's it, it changes color. So really, yeah. So the hair continues to grow a little bit after death, and that yeah. the new hair that grow grew is a different color than the old hair. Apparently, that's weird. I don't like that. I know that now. I don't like that either. The hair was um, compared to a hair that was on one of Kaylee's hairbrushes and said to be, quote, microscop, microscopic, Michael. John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith. I'm saying it. Microscopically similar. Yes. To the strand found in the trunk. But the report stated it couldn't say for certain that the hair belonged to Kaylee. Do you know what happened right there, right? All your charity lovers are out there like, Charity, you can do it. Do it. Let's go, you Charity. Charity rules. We, we have faith in you. We know you can say it kind of almost right. When the word came out three quarters of the way right, they're all like, yes, she's the best. <laughs> she almost Englishes correctly. Or they're in their vehicle or their home or wherever they are listening, and they're saying it the correct word out loud yep. over and over. Microscopically, come on, you can do it. You can do it microscopically. Well, carry on. Keep all these findings in mind as we pick apart this case. Finally, on December 11, 2008, skeletal remains of a young girl were found in a bag in a wooded area by a man named Ray Kronk. It's later revealed that Kronk may have seen the bag back earlier that summer and he may have called the police to come check it out. I don't know. There's a lot of speculations around Ray Kronk, but it was determined that he had nothing to do with any killings or of planting the bag of bones where he found them. Because the defense tried to spin that a little bit in the beginning. Of course beginning. they did. They, try, they grasped onto any strands. Um, and in this, in this book, um, they call Casey's stories, Casey, uh, Casey 2.0, Casey 2.3, Casey... because she changes the story Story so many times. The prosecution says that that they rename it every time she changes the story. That's actually good good information right there. Sadly, on December 20th, 2008, it was confirmed that the skeletal remains were little Kaylee Anthony. It was difficult for the medical examiner to determine an actual cause of death because there was so much decomposition. Florida is not kind to bodies. Although... The jaw was being held on by duct tape, causing much speculation about the little girl's death. That's horrible. I didn't know that one. Isn't that horrible? That is. Things soon took a turn for the worse for the Anthony family. Well, the family members that weren't in jail. January 23rd, 2009, George is found in a hotel. He had taken a mix of medication and alcohol and had written a five-page suicide note. Thank goodness he was found. If not, the worst could most definitely have happened. Honestly, I feel so sorry for this entire family, but George's grief is so sad. His precious little granddaughter was definitely gone, and it looked like foul play. And he most likely knew it was in the hands of his very own daughter. I can't. I so can't I can't even imagine that. You know, in his mind, it's like I couldn't even protect my my granddaughter. You know, Brad Conway, the Anthony's family's lawyer, was the one to make the nine one one call. He had this to say to ABC News. Quote, he's not okay. He's been through something that's affected his life. 
his wife's life, his daughter's life, and his granddaughter is gone. George went to the hospital willingly. He clearly knew he needed some help. So he was at such despair when they found this body. In my mind, I think, like I said, his granddaughter was never coming back. He probably pretty much realized his daughter was at the hands of it. And so she was never coming out of jail and just thought he could not move on from that. The, his life as he had known it is is done. But of course, the defense was trying to spin. Oh, what's this the reason? So mad. What's the reason he tried to commit suicide? Yeah. This next thing makes me mad. Oh, yeah. I know where you're going. This case was affecting people worldwide. How could a mother have killed her very own daughter? And if she was taken by someone, why wouldn't she call the police to help find her? Mm-hmm. There were all kinds of um, info floating around the media. Pictures of Casey at bars, drinking and partying, all while her daughter was supposedly missing. Even pictures of her in a hot body contest. So while her daughter was missing, okay, instead of searching for her, she was shacking up with her boyfriend and she was drinking it up, partying it up, cashing checks. That didn't belong to her. That didn't belong to her. Yeah. Scheming up. You yeah. know, lie number 17,227. Yeah, because back then, we, it was in 2008, you can get, or 2005, sorry. No, 2008, sorry. You can take, there were pictures being taken and floating oh, yeah. around the media. Every, there was, everybody there was saw MySpace, her. there was all sorts of things. Oh, I miss MySpace. Yeah, you've said that. You really liked that. My song, when you came on my page, was Shawn Michaels, Sexy Boy. <laughs> I can't. Because guys that are young who are listening to this. MySpace was like Facebook, just way cooler because you could customize how your page looked. You could have music play. Like my page was awesome. And then you click it and be like, ah, 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 I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. <laughs> yes, I had, that was my I wish song. I could still view that. that it's probably out there somewhere. <laughs> MySpace was fun. Let's bring it back. They tried to, but now everyone's caught up on these other apps that I don't even know how to use. Yeah, true. Casey had lied to everyone around her and lied about the nanny. You know, Zanny, the nanny. Everyone called her Zanny. Mm-hmm. Yep. She lied about, she, she even lied about work. Every turn was a new story and more stories were soon to emerge. For all these reasons, the prosecution was ready to hit hard. And in December, they filed papers seeking the death penalty. Uh-oh, did I say it right? You I did. did. I, I did. Oh, sorry. And then you punched the microphone. <laughs> so... <laughs> Two points for saying it right, minus one for punching the microphone. You're back even. Good job. Thanks. At least I'm even. Yes. On April 13th, 2009, the death penalty was granted. A spokesperson for the defense had this to say. Are you ready? Yep. This is not a death penalty case. We will do whatever is necessary to defend Casey Anthony from the state, trying to take her life. We already have death-qualified defense lawyers on our team and are prepared for a vigorous defense. That was, I hate her. Casey Anthony's trial would start wouldn't start until May twenty fourth, two thousand and eleven. That's ridiculous. I can't imagine the heartache from all that waiting. Plus, the new story that had developed from Casey's mouth is horrific. Uh, we'll talk. We're not going to talk about that till next episode. Sorry, guys. As you can imagine, the defense was concerned about their client having an impartial jury. This case was worldwide, and anyone following it had their own opinions. Jeff Ashton, one of the prosecutors, talks in length about how the jury was selected in his book. Like I said, there was a ton of behind-the-scenes information that was very interesting to hear. Jury selection was moved out of Casey's hometown, Orlando, to Clearwater, Florida, in the hopes to avoid media coverage. It's not going to help. <laughs> right. Once the jurors were selected, they would be sent to Orlando from for the entire length of the trial. Can you imagine being one of those jurors, leaving your entire life for however long the trial may take? And they what said- What do they pay, like $26 yeah, a day Yeah, and the trial, the trial was estimated to be two months long. Yeah. What if you had like a baby or like, oh my, two months is a long time to be away. Yeah. What happens if you're a single person providing for your household? Exactly. May 16th, 2011, the court was already- Day after my birthday. Oh, your birthday. Ah, I was waiting to see if you caught on Inter that. Interesting. Yes. So the court was already a week into the jury selection. Judge Perry was not excited about how slow the process was going and had this to say at the time. Next week, we're going on the Perry plan. 
he was pressing both sides to hurry it up. So both sides were taking unusually long time because it was such a high profile case. Um, And the judge asked for there to be not only to be 12 jurors, he wanted eight alternates because he knew. I don't blame him. Yeah. So the initial 12 jurors were finally chosen. And here is a little about them reported by People magazine. Okay. And I think I did this because I think it's important to describe what kind of jurors were on this case. So we're just going to go through the 12 initial jurors. So juror one was a 65-year-old married white woman. She was a retired nurse and supported the death penalty. So that would be good for the prosecution, right? Mm-hmm. Juror number two, some, they all have nicknames. So that was the nurse. They called juror one the nurse. Juror two was nicknamed the family man. He was a black married man in his 30s. He said he was raised by a single mother like Casey. So they, the defense liked him because he may sympathize with Casey as a single mother because he was raised by a single mother. And he was a single father. Yep. Jura three was nicknamed the student. She was a 32-year-old single white woman going to school to become a nurse. Jura four was named the church lady. She was a black woman that lived alone and had never been married. She said she was deeply religious. So that was, I would think that would be more so for the prosecution, just speculating. I don't know. Juror five was called the mother. She was a white 57-year-old retired nurse's aide. She was the mother of three children and had this to say, quote, I guess I believe in the death penalty. I'd have to know a lot of the facts before I really considered it. So again, a little more positive Mm -hmm. for the prosecution. Juror six was the salesman. He was a white businessman that sold restaurant equipment. He was 33 at the time and the father of two children. Jarrah Seven was called the secretary. She was a 41-year-old white divorced woman whose father was a lawyer. She was a secretary in the juvenile justice welfare. Um, so she was right in knew yeah, all the going all the going ons. Jarrah Eight was called the policeman's daughter. She was a 55-year-old woman who had two children around the same age as Casey Anthony. Her father was a policeman and she was in support of the death penalty. So that could have gone both ways, yep. right? Support of the death penalty, but might be a little more lenient because her kids were right around the same age as Casey was at this point. I say no, but because her dad's also a cop. That's true. Very true. Jarrah number eight was nicknamed the handyman. Um, hey, I've had that nickname. Yeah. Oh, oh nice. The handyman can. <laughs> Not really. Uh, so, um... He was a 53-year-old single white man, a former logger, um, and he was a native of Indiana. So they didn't really say much about it. Um, He said, I don't think we've heard the whole story, he told the court. Uh, I hold no bias. So, all right, right, both sides. Jarrah 10 was The Bachelor. He was a 57. He was 57 at the time um, and had never been married and had no children. He worked for a phone company and did a lot of reading. And he said, I don't know any details, but I believe everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Okay. All right. So, I mean, it's good. I have to say it is good to try to have jurors that do have an open mind because, yes, of course, you know, at this point, we didn't even know all of the information and, and backstory they have. So juror 11 was the gym teacher. Uh, He was a 33-year-old single white man, and he worked as a high school gym teacher. Um, He had this to say, everyone I work with thinks she's guilty, he said in a jury selection, but I can keep my mind open. Right. That's kind of funny. That's some good honesty. He probably thought thought that would get him off (laughs) off the jury if he said that. Um, And the last juror, juror 12, was the cook. Um. It was she was a white woman um, around in her sixties, had two children and one young grandchild. Oh boy, yeah. Um, and she had this to say: "I have no problem deciding on the death penalty." So Good. She was like, "Yep, I've, if she's d- guilty, she's going down." The only part that sucks about this case is we know it never happens. I know. Uh, so yeah. So next episode, we're going to really get into the trial and what's brought up at the trial and people testifying and. I don't know if this is going to be a two-parter or a three-parter. We'll see as I get into it how we much will information. See where it takes us. We will. But this for sure is an interesting one. And guys, let us know if you like 
this sort of thing, revisiting really high, high, high profile cases like this. I personally love it. Yeah. Because it's kind of a cool little refresher. And then you find things that you didn't know. Yeah. I, I kind of want to go through Do you some know more of them. It's a surprise that I like that you never know. What? Is when our text and voicemail line goes off. It's oh, yes. 603-212-4600. Just call. Yeah. Say hello. I just called. He needed to send, guys. To say. Hi, Case Watch. So, guys, listen. Um, I know that I have a lot of um, messages and messenger that I haven't gotten back to you all, and I apologize. Um, but I will try to get back to you all. But I do have some that have been waiting, and I apologize, because I'm usually pretty good about that. I am not. No. I am horrible at but that. But I am, so I apologize. I just say, it's me. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, honesty is a good thing, Mark. 100%. All right. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye, guys. See ya. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.